This is gonna hurt. It's time, it's time for the Suffering, for the suffering Podcast. Podcast. Episode 23, The Ultimate Suffering, was the most impactful episode that the Suffering Podcast ever recorded. Gene Halberger experienced the worst suffering imaginable. Here is the original opening read from May 23rd, 2021. We all think we know what suffering is. Hardship, worry, pain, however you want to define it. Everybody believes their suffering is important, and it is. Perspective is everything when it comes to suffering. I used to tell new parents or parents-to-be this. You may have thought you knew what suffering and worry was, but now you're going to find out that you didn't know as much as you thought. Children are a part of us, a tiny sliver to let the world know we existed at one point in time. They bring us joy, love, sorrow, and of course, suffering. I can't picture my life without my children. To be honest, I really don't want to. The loss of a child, to me, can aptly be defined as the ultimate suffering. I'm Kevin Donaldson here with Mike Felace, and on this episode of The Suffering Podcast, we welcome back one of the most impactful people that we have ever met or ever had on this show. Unfortunately, we only had him on audio, and that's Gene Halberger. And joining Gene tonight is Lynn Cluse Manzione. Got wow, look at you. <laughs> and he studied. I had a tough time naming this one, so this is just going to be The Suffering of Gene Halberger because I think that encapsulates everything. But Gene is one of the strongest people we've ever met. We talk about him frequently, and he, where he's, we brought him in the studio so everybody can finally see his face. Gene, Lynn, thank you so much. Yeah, I, I got to say, we refer to a lot of former guests. I don't think we refer to anybody more than we refer to Gene. Never. Never. I don't know if that's good or bad. I, like Kevin said, I mean, it's an impactful story, and you, you are, you're one of the strongest people I ever met. No. You know, when we name these episodes, sometimes we hit the mark, sometimes we miss. Your original one was, what was it, May 23rd? 3rd, 2000. I got it written down. May 23rd, 2001, episode 23. 2021. What did I say? I said 2001. We haven't been in business that long. Well, you weren't here, but I was. Yeah. <laughs> um, and we do refer to you constantly, um, but that episode's name was The Ultimate Suffering, and I still hold true to that, that that is one where we hit the mark. And Lynn, how'd you get hooked up with this guy? <laughs> well, believe it or not, we went to high school together, but we hadn't <laughs> seen each other in 30-something years, and uh, it's a very long, strange story of how we ended up doing the film together. Um I don't I, know if you want to get into that whole thing right yeah. now. Well, we will. I want to get into that because that's going to be a very pivotal part of Gene's story. I just wanted to note how smiling, you know, when you first came down into the basement, Gene. We were just talking about the shoulders down. You look beaten. Yeah. And now you walk in, you're doing a little dance in the lobby. <laughs> you know, it's it's been a journey. It's It's gotten much better. Um, I'm more at peace with myself. Well, I think that's, I, that's the right thing to say. It's, I mean, we, we had Gene in with the Elite Show, too, in here that one that's time. Right. Yeah. That's right. I sat in on that one. Yeah. You know, before we get into anything else, I want to give a big shout out to our marquee sponsor. That's Toyota of Hackensack. We don't trust anybody, but we do trust them. So go to toyotahackensack.com. Let them find you a car. Same thing as always from two years ago. We take a social media question. We take a question from one of our audience members. This one comes from Serendipity324. And he or she writes, what anchors you? I pulled this one specifically for you because things get stormy and an anchor always holds you down, keeps you from drifting off in times of trouble, but an anchor can also sink you. What, so what anchors you in times of trouble? Gene, I'm going to go with you first. I mean, I, you know, right away you, you think of your family, um, which is first and foremost, but my group of friends that I have, um, I believe if it wasn't for them. Uh, I don't know if I would be here or not. You know, it, it was very tough in the beginning. And when your family's going through it also. You try to hide it from them a little yeah. bit. You know, your group you try to friends. be a rock. Yes. And I'm not much of a rock at that time. You know, well, I was probably an anchor that would sink you at then. <laughs> when the rock is hurting and everybody else, you know, everybody else is hurting, you can't show them. So it was, you know, my, my group of friends, I've known them since preschool, some of them. Mm. 
um, over 50 years, most of them. And, and without them, you know, besides my family, which of course is always number one, but my group of friends. Lynn, what do you think? Well, I think that's true because I see their Facebook posts and they they do everything together. And it's really nice to see that relationship. It's disgusting. <laughs> but for me, um, I like silence. I, I've had a lot of crazy upheavals in my house at times. So I like to ground myself in maybe nature, going out for a walk and having some quiet like time. Meditation or anything like that? Or? Yeah, a little bit of that. I don't know if I do it right, but I try to. You know the cool thing about meditation? Because I meditate every day. Mm-hmm. There's no wrong way to do it. Yeah. It's whatever brings you peace. It's whatever quiets your mind, whatever allows you to focus. Right. Mike? Yeah, like Gene said, I think it's mainly family. Family's going to keep you grounded. Um, but <clears> to me, it was staying active. It was going to the gym all the time, you know, going running and, and all that. And, you know, that was that was my safe place. You know, it was my safe place where I could just go and I could be by myself and I could be myself. Mine is 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 something that's changed in recent years. Um, it's my belief in a higher power. And I don't talk about it all that much, but it's the one place where I can focus on just the a feeling. It's it's a good feeling. It's a it's a positive feeling. Like you had said, Gene, my family, you uh, men, and this this is a maybe this is a problem. Men try to shield the real harshness of life from their families. You know that's what our that's in our DNA. I don't know whether that's the right thing to do, but it's the way that we're born. Yeah. You know, especially like being in law enforcement. How many times you never went home and told your your family about no. all the the hairy calls we went on? No, you can't. Because they won't understand, yeah. you, and you don't want them to feel the same pressures that you feel. There's no playbook. No. You know what I mean? There's, there's you know, with being a officer or, or what happened to me with my son, there's there's no playbook. They, you don't know what to do. You just put on that brave face and keep you know, going. You try. You, you try. Well, serendipity, thank you so much for sending that one in. Keep sending in your questions. We will try to get them on the air. We we appreciate everybody who sends in a little question because we're interested in what our guests say. And that's more of a, like an off-the-cuff thing. Everybody comes in with their own story and, and their own thing. But that's sort of one we, we get the more a little bit more reality on. Uh, so, Gene, like, like Mike said, we speak about you and your episode more than any other episode we've ever recorded because of the way it impacted us. Absolutely. But I want you to give a little bit of a recap of your situation. All right. Um, September of 2015, my son took his life. Um, he had been bullied, cyber bullied. Um, there was a video of him being held by two guys punched in the stomach. Um, and I don't know, I'd never saw the video. I didn't want to see it. I don't know what happened but they posted it on something. And obviously he saw it and got very distraught and uh, he ended up shooting himself in the head. You coming home, and I can still remember sitting, this is when we were recording in the basement, I can still remember you telling that story of finding him. I know we had to stop recording that day. We had to stop. It was one of the few times that we stopped mid-roll. We might have to stop again. (laughs) (laughs) And listen, if it gets too much for you, you let me know. I'll just start breaking Mike's chops and that'll bring you, that'll bring you back. You know, there are certain moments in our life that bring us back to a time that is not very friendly. I know mine, my anniversary is coming up and this is something that I can relate to a lot because during the anniversary, usually, and it gets longer every year, I start becoming a very miserable person and I'm trying to break that. Anxiety kicks in. It's not easy. No, no. Lynn, I, you know, nobody gets through, nobody gets through life without some damage. You ever have an incident like that, that sort of triggers you, brings you back to something that's a little hurtful? I mean, I've, I've had some struggles with some family members and I don't want to get into details or anything, but you know, it, you can, you can be traumatized and things can come up that, you know, bring it all back to the surface. Um, I had my parents living with me for eight years, taking care of them while they were. That's traumatic in itself. It was pretty traumatic. (laughs) That's what you say. Everybody's got dents here or there. Mm -hmm. Some, some people's dents are bigger than others, but everybody's got a dent somewhere. You know, on Instagram live, 
I don't know if you were able to tune in on your way up here, but we spoke about what was known as the Japanese art of kintsugi. So the Japanese will take broken pottery. And normally when you break a pot or something or a little tchotchke in your house, you try to put it together and you try to hide it and make it look as perfect as you possibly crazy can. glue, <laughs> crazy glue. You know, there's it, it never looks right. But what the Japanese do with broken pottery is they put it back together and they inlay the cracks with gold or silver or something really beautiful. And they become these works of art. So rather than trying to hide those cracks that you think are a weakness, they highlight them and create something ultra beautiful. And that's what we want to do with our show here. So if you don't get emotional about it and the day you don't get emotional about talking about Jimmy, the that's, day I, the that's day a bad I don't day. get emotional is the day I'm dead. Exactly. Exactly. Because I, I, Lynn, I don't, I don't know if you have children. I have two I, sons. We never spoke about that. For those. I can't imagine. That. No. no, I can't even no. imagine. That's why we call it the ultimate, the ultimate suffering. Yeah. Because there couldn't be anything worse than that. It was, uh, you did you think your life was over at, at the time uh, a little bit after it it i thought i was actually going to take my life which mm. is you know at the time you're not thinking straight you're not your mind is a jumble you know and and my first not my first thought you know at the time i couldn't even tell you what was going through my head but i know not too long after it, I thought about it. Would anybody ever come up to you and say, Gene, what are you, what are you doing here? You have two lovely daughters, one of whom I've met. One, I think, is trying to avoid me, just like your <laughs> wife is trying to avoid me. Um, you have two lovely daughters. You have a beautiful wife. You have a pretty good life. What are you doing? You know, you don't think about that at the yeah. time. There wasn't even a thought. My, my kids, my wife didn't even enter my mind at the time it was a, it was about me it's just so which, so many questions and so few right. answers which is probably you know? jimmy at the time yeah. because i'm sure if he would have thought about the impact of it's, it's like a wave yeah. it just keeps on going and gets bigger and bigger and he didn't i don't think he thought about that you know for somebody like what you were going through and what jimmy went through the outsider is going to look at it and they're going to try to rationalize it. And they're going to try to rationalize an irrational behavior. You know, there is nothing rational about suicide. No. Nothing at all. But there's also nothing rational about bullying people. Now, I know you confronted the bully at one point. I didn't. Know. No, somebody, somebody not, or some, I thought somebody, I recall somebody knocking on his door and confronting him, or you were hoping that they would come. And, and talk to you? You know, I would have thought that the parents would have brought their kids over and would have apologized. I mean, I'm sure they didn't mean for that to happen. You know, you... you when you're, when you you're that know young, you don't, think, you don't right. think that's going to happen. Right. You know, but the parents should have known better. I, I would have thought, I mean, if, you know, if Jimmy was involved with something like that and that happened, I, I would have grabbed his ass and I would have brought him yeah. right over to the house. It's, it's one of the apologize. greatest greatest life lessons you can teach a kid. I've done yeah. that with my kids. Yeah, and you know we had a we had a guest in here, Mike Panis. Mike um, got into a car while he was drinking, had his friend in the front seat. Mike survived the accident. His friend did not. Mike did some time for it, and while he was in prison, something that was essential for him for his own healing was to speak to that young man's Parents. father. Yep. And guess what? His father looked at him, and it was probably just as cathartic for the father as it was, was for Mike. Mike. Mm. So this person who did this or these people who did this to Jimmy are probably hurting, getting some distance from the event. Do you, do you have any empathy at all towards them? I know that's a tough question, but it's something that's important to me. You know what? I've, try, I've tried not to even think about them. I mean, in the beginning, it was... There was a lot going on in my head at mm. the time. Oh, I don't think uh, I don't think directly post is a good idea. <laughs> you know, but uh, they have to live with it. You know, karma. Yeah. I, I really believe karma. Do you think one day they'll be men enough? Because they're men now. Yes. Do you think one day they'll be men enough? No. To st step up? No. Boy, what a shame! I wish I could get a hold of them because they, man, they got to live their whole lives with that guilt. That's got to be weighing on them. 
One of the things that was so freeing to me is the, the guy who shot at me during my incident. I used to hate him. Up and down, I would hate him. If I ever saw him, I'd kill him because he ruined my life. You know, now, stepping back from it being 10 years removed, what did it take for him to shoot at police twice? What kind of hurt was that man going through? I have a lot more empathy from him, but it took me a long time to get there. Yeah. And guess what? When I did that, I took away all his power. I took away everything that he had over me. And it was like a big giant weight off of my shoulders. I mean, I don't think, I don't think about them at all, which is probably good. Yeah. You know, I mean, I think about my son and first and foremost, that's. I'm sure there were times with your son that were not joyous, like every family. Every teenager. 17, you know, of course. Can you remember any of them? It's, um, that's a tough question. I, I can remember. Um. I don't want to talk about him, <laughs> but I can remember. Yeah, that's. But, know, he, he he had anger issues, and and the anger issues were from being bullied. Yeah, he was. He you was, know, and you don't see. After Jimmy took his life, everything started falling into place. What was happening with him, and and what was going on, and then finding out, and you know, then you realize, oh, he was doing this because of this. Mm. But he wasn't telling you, so you didn't right. know why he was acting. He's a seventeen-year-old like yeah. boy. They don't, you know, they don't have heart-to-heart talks. I mean, you were saying there were signs like he'd come home and he didn't have his his back. Yeah, when he was in junior high, yeah. he was always missing stuff. You know, he he had a lot of anger as he got older. But I don't know. Like in junior high, the problem was taken care of. Mm-hmm. In high school, I didn't know anything was going on until. You know, I don't know about. I can't speak for Mike, but after your episode. My kids got a little tighter hug than they normally got. Yeah. And so, and I know, I know a lot of people who listened to that show and that was, that was one of, that was our highest show at the time. Yep. It, it got a lot of listens. I know a lot of people did the same thing I did. So out of some sort of darkness, there was some positive stuff. And of course you have the Jimmy Halberger foundation. Yeah. That that's the positive out of it. And it, it's a positive but you but trade it, it, it brings you day. back. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, and, and, and sometimes it's really hard and sometimes I want to step away from it and, you know, it's, it just, just brings it back. Just the and, outpouring of support you get from your friends. Like the, the one day I stopped up at, at your golf tournament and all the people there, I mean, they were, it was fantastic showing up there. Yeah. It's, <laughs> you know, that day, <laughs> so there's a funny story about that day. We had two of our two of two our golf, pe- two golf outings from friends of ours, yours and another one, and Mike and I split. Like we, all right, Mike, you go co- you go here because we got to we got to be here, and then I'll go here because we got to be here. That was uh, I always wanted. I always regretted not going. To I that. didn't, you know, at first I didn't even like recognize yeah. him. It just didn't comprehend in my brain. And then and this is so much, this so is a much hard face to remember. So anyway, much, so. <laughs> so much trauma from the first time. Yeah. <laughs> and then, what, how long did it take for you to start getting the word out about the foundation? About, about the foundation, about anti-bullying. How long did that take? How how long did you have to heal in order to get there? See, I, th- I think what the problem was that the foundation was started a little too fast. That's what I think. Is it to fill an empty hole? Maybe. You know, it was my sister-in-law that pushed it. And, yeah. you know, People just wanting to jump in and help in yeah. whatever way yeah. they could. And I mean, they, they went in it with the right intentions, right. but yes. you need to heal yes. before you start jumping into it. Did yes. you ever think they did that as a, as an opportunity to force healing on you? Uh, no, no. I no. mean, it's because some people I'm, do that to other family members. I, I think maybe trying to get it off of my mind, what I had seen and experienced, but, um, it didn't, mm. I mean, still to this day, you know, the stuff we do because it's slowed down quite a bit since we moved. Um, and I moved because of that. Well, you were living right across from the high school, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yeah. Yeah. I remember that. Yeah, that's and, a- and Jimmy took his life just outside the house and 
Living in that house was very hard yeah, for me. it's got to be. Jeez, my wife sees a mouse and she wants to move out of my house. Yeah. Can you imagine going through what Jean went through? She sees you and she wants to move out of the house. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, it's usually like, no, it's time for you to move out of the house. That's that's where I get. Um, with, the, with the Jimmy Halberger Foundation, has it ever become triggering, triggering for you? It hasn't. Other other things do. Yeah. Like um, what? What's what's a common trigger for you? Every once in a while, a loud noise really startles me. I didn't hear the gunshot, but I had to have just missed it. Mm-hmm. Because it was right after that I found him. So two boneheads ask you to come in there and talk about mm-hmm. something that you haven't talked about it, openly. You know, openly. Very cathartic for me. Yeah. yeah. You know, because you know, I never spoke to anybody. I, th- I think I started to go to somebody that my wife was going to, and I, I thought it was a waste. Why us? Like, why Why did you agree to do that? We had conversations yes. about it, yeah. Yeah. Truthfully, I don't know. I mean, I said things that I've never said before. Yes. And like I told you the last time, it was my most peaceful drive. I remember that when, when he got home, he said it was the most peaceful drive home he's ever had. Back to Lake George. That was the greatest compliment. Yep. I got chills just that, thinking about that. Was that was the greatest compliment we could have ever gotten from anybody. And I didn't think that was going to happen, but. Support for the Suffering Podcast is brought to you by Manscaped, who's the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Their products are precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped Performance Package is the ultimate men's hygiene bundle. Inside the package, you'll find the Lawnmower 4.0, Weed Whacker, Ear Nose, Hair Trimmer, and the Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant. And we also got the Crop Reviver Ball Toner. <laughs> this is a, this thing is a life changer. Along with that, boxer briefs. I'm going to tell you what these are. These are like high quality boxer briefs, and I'm, this is no joke. I'm not saying this just because their manscape sent it to us. These are nice. My boys are going to be quite happy in there. And you can't tell Kevin's wearing them under the table right now. <laughs> and we also have a nice travel package. Join over 8 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer just for you. 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code TSP at manscaped.com. Jesus Christ, that's a lot of balls. I guess just saying what I said about finding him and afterwards, I needed to release it. Mm. You know, it was a, a monkey on my back. I and mean, you held it in for all those years, too. Yeah. You know? And since then, have you, you've released it several times that I know of. Not too often. Not too often. And is it becoming easier to do? It, you know what it is. Um, sometimes. I, I think it depends who I'm speaking to and in what context. Mm. You know, um If I started talking about it, I mean, I would tear up, but I don't think I would lose it like I did in the past. Mm. I mean, I could, I could say I, I found him just after he shot himself in the head. Half his head was missing. Um, there was Billy, sounds. Billy Bartholomew was with you. Yes. Thank God. Because I don't know what I would have done if I was alone. Mm. And sometimes he triggers me. Yeah, Believe it or sure. not, yeah. I mean, one of my best friends, and you know, sometimes I have to stay away from them. Cop, cops that were at my shooting, when I see them, sometimes that triggers me too. That brings me back to it. But I think Billy understands. But thankfully, Billy was there. Yes, and we've had Billy on the show shortly after you. Um, Billy has his own stuff going on. Yes. Uh, but thankfully Billy was there, his command presence being a fireman used to being on scene of, of certain events. He knew how to take control of the situation because I think at that point you were unable to take control. No, I, I couldn't do anything. I, I don't remember anything after running up to Jimmy, nothing. I couldn't tell you what I did. I couldn't tell you what I said. I, I have no idea. Like you said, Billy took over though. He called 911 and really. I, I have no idea who called yeah. 911. Has anybody ever come up to, up to you afterwards after hearing your story and spoken to you? No. No? <laughs> it's a tough one. It's like, hey, oh, I, I watch you. I've seen you. I've, I've heard you. Uh, why don't you tell me about it? You know, you it's know what? I bring one. up Jimmy's name as much as possible. You know, I, I'm not embarrassed that my son took his life. You know, and, and, and bullying had 
95% to do with that. I mean, I'm sure it wasn't 100%. You yeah. know, mental to, issues and no. It, I, I read a statistic out of out of this documentary that between 2009 and 2019, that teen depression has risen so exponentially. Now, when we were growing up, what? How did we handle a bully? And I, women are women are far worse oh, at yeah. bullying than men. Far, far worse. I believe that they're brutal. How did we deal with a bully? You fought. You fought, and there was no bully. A bully doesn't want to go. Your father said it. Yep. You know, a bully doesn't want to want to keep going at somebody that's going to fight back. But these kids are hamstringed. They can't fight back because if they fight back, they're going to get in as much trouble as the bully. Yes. But see, this is bullying to a different level these days because of social media. Right. So, and social everything media. festers on social media. Nothing gets resolved. I think society as a whole and bullying because of social media has is, is rampant. Yeah, it's crazy. It's just because you, you, not that you're hiding, but it's everywhere. And it's not just kids doing it. Yeah. Adults are doing it as well. Oh, yeah. But social media can be a blessing or a curse. Yeah. It really can. It depends on the user, just like with everything else. You know, a gun in the proper hands can be a tool of protection. A gun in the wrong hands can be a, cool, a tool of, of violence. Destruction. Yeah. Yeah, of destruction. That's, that's actually a better word. Lynn, when's the first time that you went to high school with Gene? When's the first time you heard of this story? So probably... Back in like 1846 when Gene went to high school. <laughs> I guess like soon after it happened. Not right away, but soon after, like I spoke to some people from high school and they told me... Um, you were living in another place? Yeah, I was a... living in a different area at the time. And uh, it, a very strange connection happened by a, a gentleman that I was introduced to like an hour and a half away from where we both live now. Um, by fluke, I was looking to get involved in a different project. I was at a, a RV place looking to buy an RV to do this cross-country trip and started explaining to the woman my idea for the trip, the saleswoman. And she said, oh, you really should talk to this guy who's got this camper for uh, raffling it off over here for his um, anti-bully squad. So I take this guy's number, have no idea why I call him because there's no connection to the project I was working on, but I do call him. Turns out- Trying to get a free RV. (laughs) That's what it is. I I end up calling the guy and we sit down like, and have, I have a lake house, which is where he's he's closer to. And uh, we spoke for about three hours. And at the end of- the conversation, he was telling me all about how he got started with this anti-bully squad. I was like, you know what? Now I feel like this is a project I should work on because I know a guy that I went to high school with whose son just took his life. I didn't say Gene's name. Took his life. You changed my vocabulary with that. I don't want you to know. Lost to suicide. That no, that's good. Oh, okay. That's good. Yeah. Okay. You changed my vocabulary. We'll get into that in just a second. And so I just, I just mentioned... You know, it happened outside of his house, across the street from the high school. And this guy turns around to me and he says, you know, Gene Halberger? I mean, we're talking an hour and a half outside of where we live. And I kind of like, well, the hair, it still does, stands up on my arms whenever I think of that story because it was very strange. But of course, it was just new. And I, he's like, you should contact him and, and ask him if he wants to do this. I'm like, I'm not contacting no. him. There are not two people in the world with the last name Halberger. No. <laughs> so I didn't contact him. And then probably two or three years went by and we had our high school reunion, which I never went to one, but I went to that one. And he walked up to me and he said, here we have somebody, a mutual friend. And we started talking a little bit. And the next day we uh, talked a little bit more and decided to go forward with whatever it was going to be. We really didn't know what it was going to be, but we knew we wanted to tell Jimmy's story and hopefully have it impact. Whenever you get involved in something like this, there's usually three reasons why people get involved in it. It's mission, message, or money. Three M's. All right. And if you're doing things for money, you're in it for the wrong reasons. And most of the time, 99.9% of the time, you are going to be sorely disappointed. And it's it's not going to, it's not going to be the full picture. Absolutely not. Money. If you got money on your mind, that's why you're doing it. I got to tell you, her her heart is totally into it. It's, it's mission and it's 
Message. 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 Mission, mission. What was it like the first time that you found out that your friend from high school lost his son? Oh, horrible. I mean, it's, it's, you don't want to hear it about anybody. And then it's somebody that you know. I mean, it's, it's unimaginable what, what they went through and, you know, heartbreaking. Well, Gene has impacted both of us in more ways than one. Immensely. We just talked about it for a second. It's changing vocabulary. You and there's somebody else named, uh, Artie Dell, who is a, who's a good friend of ours, where I, like everybody else, used to use the word commit suicide. It's very, it was very common the way I grew up. And I didn't know that that was a bad thing to say to somebody who lost their family member to suicide. Most yeah. newspapers, yeah. most news shows still yeah. say it all the time. And now to this point, and, and I, got, I got a problem with this because now whenever somebody says commit suicide, I do this. I'm like, oh. And I, I, I find myself correcting people. Yeah. <laughs> I do all the time. Anytime they say yeah. it, yeah. I'll correct them. Whether it works or not, you know, who cares? Because you co- the way you put it to me is because you commit a crime. This is, this. there's no, there's, the victim no and the crime. assailant are one. Yeah. yeah. So, but you've had that big where you, and there's been a couple people in here that have changed my vocabulary. It's post-traumatic stress, not post-traumatic stress disorder. Um, and just being a little bit more kind to people. Um, it's gay, not the F word, like you think. <laughs> I mean, I've, I've totally, I try and be kind to everybody now. I mean, I moved to Lake George. It's a slower way of life. The people up there are awesome. Everybody is so friendly. Very rarely do you run into somebody talking about the locals. Hmm. You know, summertime it gets crowded, so I don't really deal with that, but. It's just such a more peaceful way of life. And do people up there know about Jimmy, too? Not everybody. Yeah. You know, just hopefully. No. You know, if they know, they no. know. Just the close friends. Yeah. Were you ever afraid of being, hey, that's the guy? No. That's the guy. And the, you know what? It's funny. In the beginning, when I would go shopping with my wife in the supermarket or something, I, I used to think that people were looking at yeah, me. Yeah, all eyes are on you. Yeah. I used to think that that was, yeah. took me a while a long while to, to not feel that way. You know, I don't know why I felt that way, but it just happened. I think and, when you go through anything traumatic like that, you feel that way too. Yeah. I felt that way. I know Mike felt that way. Um, like I said, my, right after my incident, my son was playing high school football. I was a volunteer coach. We're at a game. I thought the whole stands were just staring at me. Mm. I couldn't stand on the sidelines. I had to walk around the track and watch the game. So it felt everybody was looking. It's it's brutal. It's, it's weird, a brutal feeling. Yeah. It's well, I think part of that is your a portion of your life, and not a very positive portion of your life, is out there for public display, and that's not what. If you were to put a resume out there, a life resume to people, that is not what you would lead with. You know, I'm I'm Gene Halberger. I'm a family man. I got two daughters. I got a loving wife. I got a house. I'm retired. All this good, good, good stuff. I was on a suffering podcast. I was on a suffering. (laughs) (laughs) It's a highlight of your career. Gene, we expect that to be on your tombstone someday. (laughs) Oh, yeah. And he was this. I'd rather be on the suffering podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Or it's going to be worse. The suffering podcast did this to me. Slightly dented. But so how how difficult is it to talk about now? Because you're in this new project and this this amazing documentary, or you didn't even know what it was going to be at first. You now all of a sudden your life is going to be put on display times ten. I can't watch it. It it's beautiful. You want to know it's, what? It's it's heartbreaking to me watching my. My family, mm-hmm. like especially Amanda and Kelly, you know, it. that's what I really get up. I mean, if it wasn't, you know, I could listen to my nieces and my nephews, but it's easier because I don't deal with them every day. But Amanda and Kelly, and Kelly was so strong when she did it. You know, Amanda tried. Well, Amanda, so Amanda, when you came to Hackensack Brewing Company, when we had our event, yeah. which was awesome, you brought Amanda, yeah. and Amanda's like, no, I don't want to go on, I don't want to do anything, and she sat right next to her old man, and she opened up a little bit and started talking. Mm-hmm. It was beautiful to see you two together. 
I love spending time with my daughters. You spend a little uh, extra time now. Yeah. Um, Amanda lives in Hoboken. Um, she comes up when she can. And See, Kelly comes up when she can. It's, it's another Hoboken connection. My there nice, you go. It's really nice. It's <laughs> we, we could have people looking out for her down there. We we yeah, got her back off camera. You tell me, let me know where she is. We got a lot of friends in Hoboken. <laughs> Not all of them on the right side of the law either. That's okay though. Yeah. But they're good people to but have on your side. Right. They're good people. Yeah. They're good people. So what, when you first heard about this, like first, tell me about the original project, your original RV excursion. So I had just written a book about an elderly, um, humanitarian doctor woman who had eight children lost. She lived in a shoe. <laughs> she, she lived in a castle practically, yeah. but she was like a world renowned, uh, surgeon, humanitarian and, I ended up t writing her life story. She had three ki uh, three kids that she lost, three boys that she lost, two to a, a blood disorder and one to drugs and alcohol. So I had such an experience writing this book and working with this woman. I gained so much for myself. I mean, I just learned so much from her that I just grew like this enormous heart for old people. So I wanted to go around the country and find um, an elderly person, a normal everyday elderly person in every state that had done something really amazing with their life. And I wanted to make a film and just like kind of, kind of like a hum the humans of New York, but this was prior to that and just along those lines and um, just tell, tell uh, an amazing story an inspiring story. And I've said this before in here that when an old person dies, when an elderly person dies, uh, a library burns to the ground. Absolutely. By you telling those stories, you can keep a little bit. Some of it's always going to be gone because they're not going to tell you everything. Right. Because if if they never like the, the funny thing about elderly people is they'll tell you, oh, in my generation, we were we respected women, especially the guys. We respected women. We would never do that. Bullshit. <laughs> Bullshit. They were worse than us all. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> they were worse. Oh, I never cursed when I was Stop. <laughs> they were. Nothing changes over time as far as kids go. Kids are always going to be kids. Young men are always going to be young men. Right. And they, but now there's so much time. There's, there's like a myth about them. It's almost like a Paul well, this woman legend. Didn't, it wasn't a myth with this woman. I mean, she had started this nonprofit in Kenya and like really lived an incredible life. She became a surgeon at a time when women weren't even having careers and then had these eight children then lost three of them and then took her pain and went to Kenya where she um, started this nonprofit that's still going today. And that was like 20 something years ago. Saw some real pain. Yeah, yeah. She saw unbelievable pain and just, you know, she just did amazing things with her life and she was so humble. And at any rate, that was the trigger for me wanting to continue Finding people like her. Now, what was the what was the draw to that type of story? Was it because of the perspective that it gave you? Well, no, it actually another long story. I had an accident and I broke my jaw. I was riding a bicycle. I flipped over the handlebars and broke my jaw in three places, knocked out a bunch of teeth. And I had to close. I'm a photographer. I had to close my studio down and I was a year recuperating and during that year, I was watching a lot of what was on television, which was all these women that were in the media for all the wrong reasons. You know, it was the era of like Britney Spears clubbing cars with baseball bats and Anna Nicole Smith and all of that nonsense. And I was just kind of getting frustrated. I had my mouth wired shut, so everything was pissing me so off. You couldn't say anything. <laughs> <laughs> but I was watching a lot of TV and I was like, so oh, this is ridiculous. You know where I'm going with that, Gene. Yeah, I I'm, I'm like, I'm like, how do I, how do I nicely? <laughs> oh, don't. No, I can't. I can't. I can't. See, that's something I'd, I'd usually say. And I can't. I get my mouth shut on that I one. I forgot whose company I was in here. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that that's kind of how it happened. So I decided to work on a project that I could focus on women that had actually done something that our younger women should be looking up to, and so I called this doctor who I knew of from our hometown and she willingly sat down with me and what I thought was going to be her in a piece of a project. I ended up writing her whole life story and it was an incredible experience. You know, I, because that's what a hero is. So this woman sounds like a hero. She was. All right. A hero is, is an ordinary person put in extraordinary circumstances. Jean is a hero. Yes. All right. This, no, 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 no. Not in my eyes anyway, brother. Absolutely. Um, 
And that, that's, that's really nice to tell those stories and not tell a story about a crazy famous person who is exhibiting all the bad behaviors and doing all the bad things that they possibly can do. Because that's who kids are idolizing these days. And I'll tell you the truth. I mean, after I did get that, I had done a short documentary about her life and we started going around to schools and doing school programs. And in the interim, I was writing the book at the same time. And my goal was just to offer something better for kids to to look up to. And it was so well received. Like the kids were just grabbing it. Like, and it was so fulfilling for her. It was like a triple play, like great for her. Great for the kids. Great for me. I got to see. Well, give us the book. You're keeping me in suspense. Give me the book. It's, give me the, give me your name. It's called a wondrous journey, a small book with big lessons. And it's by myself and Dr. Martha McGuffey. It's her, her life story. Dr. Martha McGuffey. That was awesome. Yeah. Now I got to, now I got to order. I'll, I'll send, I'll get you a copy. We, we've, we've become uh, quite the collectors of, of authors books that yeah. we've had on the show. Absolutely. Um, and you know, the funny thing is it's a natural progression from being an author to a documentarian. We had a gentleman in here, his name was Seth Ferranti and he, he did a lot of time in prison. So mm -hmm. he wrote 25 books in prison, got his master's degree in prison and really used his time for, for good. Mm -hmm. And then when he got out, started making documentaries, he, his documentary white boy white is boy. just got picked up again by Netflix. Um, and his other documentary, which when he was in here, he debuted is called nightlife, but he started a writer. And now that he's moved, I guess he did everything that he wanted to do in writing. And that was the natural progression, mm -hmm. the visual, because a documentary is a visual book. Right. Right. Um, so you have this serendipitous. It's funny. You know, today's social media question was from serendipity. You have mm. this serendipitous meeting with a guy at an RV park. Yeah. And you hear about your old high school friend, a story that you're well aware of. What drew you into that? Was it a story you believe needed to be told or was it? Well, it wasn't that I heard about Gene that day. It was that I brought Gene up. I was, as he was telling me what his program was with this anti-bully squad, I was like, you know, now I'm feeling inspired to do something about that. Like, uh, that is a story that really is important to tell. But uh, I didn't mention anything about Gene other than his son had just done it and mentioned his name or anything. And, uh, and then he said, you know, Gene Halberger, like he, I didn't say his name. That's why the chills went up. Like I was like, yes, how do you know Gene Halberger? And he told me him and Gene spoke pretty regularly. Yeah. Now, when you were first approached by Lynn at this high school reunion. Vice versa. He approached me. He Really? Was I drunk? Oh, was that drunk? No. <laughs> well, I don't know, but I was standing there with two drinks in my hand. There's a good, like, there's a high likelihood uh, that I had a few. Very, very high likelihood. <laughs> Tell you the, the truth, I don't remember. He just, I was standing there. I had just gotten a drink for myself and my friend, and I couldn't find my friend. And I was looking in the room, and he walked up to me, and he said, uh, so I hear we have a mutual acquaintance. And, and I just went, oh, my God, Gene. And that was the first time I'd seen him since the whole thing happened. And I just said, I'm so sorry about, you know, Jimmy and so sorry. And he was like, yeah, um, why don't we, you know, I talked to Tom Peterson and he said, why don't we uh, sit down maybe and have a cup of coffee and see what, what you want to do. And I honestly, at that point in time, like I said, that was two years prior that I had this thought uh, and I didn't want to approach him. And I, I was like, I had no idea how to go about it or what I would do. And all I did when I sat down with Gene and Noreen was say, whatever it is, however it goes, it's going to be a journey for me. And however it comes out, I'll just want you to be assured that it's going to honor your son and, you know, well, it hopefully like, do well. It sounds like you approach Gene the proper way because, so let's take social media, for instance, there's a tragedy that happens. Um, I, I love talking about this damn submarine. <laughs> I, I just find it fascinating. Like th these five rich people die in this submarine. And they'll put so they'll post up all five people died. Somebody will come up, and there was a great joke by a comedian named Anthony Jesselneck, who's like a dark comedian. They'll come up, oh, prayers to the family. And what they're really saying with the prayers to the family is, don't forget about me. Mm. This, you know, they put they try to put the spotlight back on themselves. Yeah, exactly. Where you're trying to be a little bit more kind and more gentle, and this is a this is a labor of love and not something that's about Lynn. Right. 
Right. Well, she let it really unfold organically. Mm. You know, she yeah. could have, you could have called yeah. him back then and, and there was no just, way. I was then it was just, that. yeah. And what do you say? You know, you no. can't just call him, hey, Gene, remember me? We went to high school together. Yeah. I want to do a documentary on your son. Like, we run into that issue too. Like, we don't want to be exploitive to anybody for our own purposes. We love doing this show because it's very cathartic to us as well as the guests. But the guests for the, our goal is to get the guests to let it out and then have a little bit more room to maybe move forward in life instead of being stuck in that one little rut that they get into. Um, now with this, this particular project, when you were first, when you had that cup of coffee, did you ever have that cup of coffee? So I woke up the next day and he had messaged me on Facebook and said, you know, I spoke to Noreen and we'd like to sit down and see what, what you want to do. And it's not Gene. You gotta, you gotta go to Noreen. <laughs> Noreen, come on. We know who the boss is. Go to the boss. So we went over, I went over to their house and we sat down and, and we had a conversation. I told them what I just said here. Um, and they said, all right, let's, let's do it. And so I just went over the next week, I think, and interviewed them. And then it was a long time. I sat on it. Yeah. I mean, I just didn't know what to do with it. It was like really heartbreaking. The footage was heartbreaking and I just didn't know what to do with it. And then then Noreen was like, how's it going? How's it coming along? And I was like, it's coming. Yeah. <laughs> and I knew I really had to get, get down to it. You know, sometimes it's hard to, to go through something like that. That's so dark, so deep and so meaningful and edit it right into something that's, that can be ingested by the audience. You know, I'm sure whatever's left on the cutting room floor, you're like, wow, it's so important. How am I going to cut this out? But it, you know, it doesn't fit here or there. How, how did you judge that? I wanted also for it to fit into um, like a, a period of uh, a school period so that it could be shown at schools. Mm. So it had to be kept kind of on the shorter well, side, like 30, 30, 40 minutes. 30. So how, how did that, like, did you have an end goal from the project? Like what your target audience is? You sit down so and my, really talk about that stuff. My My plan was... And I believe their plan also was to get it into the schools and get kids to see it and get parents to see it. And um, who's you know, it more important for, Gene? Parents or kids? Uh, that's a tough question, you know, because I think parents, all parents should see it. It's, you know, I just think most parents have their head in the sand. They might not even be aware of what's going on, really. Exactly. Well, I don't I, believe they are. I mean, yeah. you said it. You didn't really realize the, the depths of, you know, Jimmy's bullying. Right. Knew nothing about yeah. it, and, and I don't think most parents know anything about it. And it's yeah. worse now. What what's going on? I'm mean, I, I, talking to a teacher that teaches in the cottage. What cottage that grade? Uh, I don't remember the grade. The, the younger kids, and, and she told me it was brutal. The kids that young are brutal. Yeah, third grade. So yeah. so imagine what's going on in in the middle school and high school. You know, it's not going to get better. No, especially those kids are going to if they're if they're not. I don't want to say reprimanded, but if they're not taught at that age, they do they're nothing. They're going to keep going until they get in high school, and then they're going to be really nasty. They do nothing to these kids. You're not allowed to do anything anymore. Right away, you get a lawsuit. Yeah, I'm sure you've done a lot of research on teen suicide and things of that nature. What male or female? Like what? What is heavier? Because, like I said, I women are brutal, men are brutal, but men. Some will fight back eventually, or they'll get to a point where enough is enough, and then they'll, they'll do some women that just I think the men or the boys tend to go through with it there may be you know many attempts by girls, but the boys are the ones that seem to be more successful so it's interesting more attempts by females, but more successes. see is it really that's a success, not a success <laughs> but, well, yeah that's a you know, I've, word. I've never looked. Up that aspect of it, yeah, you know whether more females or males take their lives. Um, Feminists are not going to like that. I don't that know. One. I mean, statistics are changing every day, so yeah. I don't even want to be quoted on that. But I mean, one child is too many. That's that's yeah, not exactly. where I'm going with that. That's I'm not trying to make a comparison. I mean, I'm trying to give the maybe the parents a little bit more of an understanding. Like just because they're nice, dainty females doesn't mean that they're not brutal. Yeah. I mean, I have some st statistics. I'd love to hear them. Um, suicide is the second leading cause of death for children aged 10 to 24, which, which to me is amazing. 10. Yeah. 10 years old to 24 years old. 
percent of high school students reported having seriously considered suicide in the past year. 18.8%. That's amazing. 8.9% of high school students attempted a suicide in 2020. And then between 2019 and 2020, there's been a 30% increase in ER visits for mental health reasons for children aged 12 to 17. Well, if you had to quantify something along those lines with the nature, why is mental health issue going up with teens? I think social media. I mean, that's my personal opinion. I I think that this whole ball of wax can be boiled down to social media. If you take something like, I'm not saying you're wrong because social media, I think, has a plays a part in it. But then you take something like Columbine, where those kids were obviously mentally disturbed. Social media wasn't around there. Like, I have a theory, and that's why that's where I'm going with this. My theory is, is there's no room for conflict resolution. It's that's something they don't teach kids. I agree with that. Yeah, it's they they don't teach them how to put them face to face. The hardest thing after after a disagreement or an argument, whether you're an adult or you're a kid, is to get in front of that person and speak to them face to face, look them straight in the eye, um, and. The schools now are separating the kids after disagreements or if there's bullying, they they put them through this rigorous thing. Now, if there's even a hint of bullying and all it does is make the kids angrier. It makes the kids more more pissed off. Yeah. Yeah. So, again, I'm not saying social media. I'm not saying you're wrong with that. But like I said, in, in, when I was younger, you had a bully. Right. You fought. You fought. And, so, and you got your ass kicked. Yep. And guess what? If he was ready to fight tomorrow, you go back and you go do it. Um. This documentary, and and it, it's, if you had a vision for where it ultimately will end up, where do you think that would be? I mean, I would love to see every school have it in their curriculum. I would love to see parent-teachers associations having it, you know, as a regular thing that every middle school parent and teacher has to see. In school or outside of school? Um. I mean, they have the PTA meetings in school. PTA meetings would be perfect yeah. for something like that, too. Yeah. I mean, that's a, a good venue for it. To me, personally, I think you're you're thinking too small. Mm-hmm. I think it, a broader audience, there's plenty of these uh, streaming services yeah, now. for sure. It would be nice to have it on a platform as well. But I, I do want to see it become a school program because that's where you, you have that audience there. Like, you know. It's a captive audience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To have to watch it if it's in the curriculum. You know, I, I don't know if you saw the, the Netflix documentary Untold about Manti Teo. Yeah. So he was, was great, he, wasn't it? Yeah, that was unbelievable. So it, it has a oh, lot. I didn't to, watch it. It has a lot to do with social media. He was he's he's the term catfish. If you ever catfish. heard the term yeah, catfish, yeah, yeah. Uh, where a, um, a man will pretend to be a woman. Oh, right. And and that's what happened to him. And he was a high level Notre Dame football player up right. for the Heisman Trophy top yeah. of the and he was catfished. They thought he was complicit in it. He was thought he was in on it a little bit. And the, so whoever this person was decided, well, I can't do this anymore. Their, their conscience got the better of them and said, well, this person died and just faked the death of this fake girlfriend. That same day, his his um, his grandmother, grandmother dies died. and he dedicates the whole season to that. And then it comes out that this was catfished and it ruined his it, it actually ruined his professional football career, ruined his image, image. It ruined his reputation, it ruined everything for him. Yeah. That was the year Johnny Manziel won the Heisman Trophy. He lost out on that. He lost out on first round draft pick, yep. got picked at the very end of the second round, cost him millions, millions. of dollars um, for and, being a victim of something yep, yep. for being a victim. And because it was all image. Yeah, it was all image. The, the repercussions of bullying go so far beyond. But one of the beautiful things, and I watched this documentary, one of the beautiful things is it, it really just tugs at your heartstrings and shows this young, beautiful boy who had a moment that he thought was never going to end. And at the end of it, I think what I got out of it is tomorrow, the sun rises tomorrow. I mean, would would you, is that, is that where you, what you were going for? Or did I just pick that out? I mean, the sun isn't rising for them that well. And there's so many Jimmy's out there. That's really where I wanted to go. I wanted, Jimmy is everybody else out there. I mean, he's everybody's child. There's plenty of people out there that have a Jimmy. Male or female. Yes. So Gina, I'm going to ask you something that's 
a little tough. Say Jimmy's sitting right alongside of you, physically, not just in spirit, which I know he's always with you in spirit. And it was the day before this tragic event. What is something you think you would tell him? That's a tough question. You know, it, do I know what he's going to do you, the next day? Well, you, you know he's going through some trouble and you have an idea. Actually, no. Let's, let's play devil's advocate. You know what he's going to do the next day. And whatever comes out of your mouth right now will prevent that from happening. It's that he's loved. People love you. And what's going to happen if you're not around? Do you ever think Jimmy felt unloved by you? Probably. Hmm. We say all the time it's a permanent end to a temporary problem. We we talked a lot the night before. False evidence appearing real. You know, he was upset the night before. We didn't know why. He wouldn't tell us. So I talked to him for a while. Then my wife talked to him for a while, and, and we thought everything was good. He was smiling by the end of the night. Great, know? great actor. Yeah. He yep. could have grown up to be one of the best. Yep. Hmm. Yep. And what's the other one? Hope, hold on, pain ends. Hold on, pain ends, which is another one of my favorite ones. Because there is a there is a beginning and an end to everything painful in life. Although when you're in the midst of it, it's just so dark. I, I just think if he would have gotten out of high school, he would have been fine. I, I just think high school... High school did him in. I've seen I've seen people go to college and blossom, and they're this awkward person. I mean, you, high school reunion where you two reconnected. How many of those people in there were the awkward, dorky? You geeky? know, it was funny. I kind of was shocked because I really was not like you. Probably went to all of the high school reunions, right? Not all of them. Well, a lot of them, I bet. Yeah, I went to none because I just didn't feel like you know. I don't. I don't really know if these people even remember me or why would I? You know, they're not in my world anymore. But they were so nice and such different people from what I'm not that there was people bullying me all over the place in high school, but they were different, you know, every and I connected with so many of them after that reunion on Facebook and stuff. I'm friendlier now with guys I went to high school than I was when I was in high school. You know, back in high school, you were just a dopey kid. I have to say their group is so unique, though, that that is a bonded group. I, I I admire that about you guys. It's really special. And it's funny because I try and tell my daughters, you know, get that bond with your, with the people you love, the friends, because they'll be around forever. You know, I'm, I'm very lucky. If you're lucky enough to choose the right ones, the problem in high school is, is everybody wants to be popular. Yeah. And look at those popular kids five, six years down the road. They're pumping gas. They're doing whatever. They're not what they're appearing to be in high school because they peaked in high school. I told this to my, to my oldest, my oldest he he goes, nah, dad, I don't want to hang around with him. He's weird. I'm like, that's the guy you need to go with because that's the guy that's going to have your back when the shit hits the fan. Not the popular people. You're going to turn around and it's going to be tumbleweeds. Yep. You go with those people who you think are weird. But I'm going to tell you what, if you get close enough to them, you're going to find out that they're genuinely nice people. You know, I did that. I did that with the kid I bullied. And I'm I'm proud to say that he's one of my better friends in the world today. The shitty thing is, is I lost out on a 30-year possibility of having that lifelong friend like you have. But you made amends. I did. It's a it, lot to- it was more for me. But that's I still say, that son of a bitch forgave me. I just wanted a punch in the mouth. That's all I, I, well, I wanted to see Jay punch you in the face so bad that day. I did let I him give me a wedgie happen. over here. Don't we took a picture. <laughs> <laughs> just to give, give him a little feeling of what it's like. So, Gene, anything you want to throw out there for a plug? Just for Jimmy's... Um, foundation the jimmy halberger memorial foundation.org jimmy halberger foundation we're going to put this all jimmy halberger memorial foundation jimmy halberger memorial foundation.org you could could just put jimmy halberger foundation also i think i'm sure if you google it yeah Yeah. again there's not too many people with that (laughs) no no lynn you want to throw out some plugs so I don't have a platform yet for the film, but, you know, so anybody, anybody that, out there is looking, <laughs> <laughs> they can contact me through my website, which is clickimages.ifp3.com. You know what we're going to do right now? Andrew, I sent you that link to this a little short clip, a little five minute clip. I want everybody to watch this. Get some tissues ready. Why don't you roll it?
My son Jimmy took his life on September 30th, 2015. Uh, on the morning of that date, I got a phone call from him, uh, approximately 10.30, quarter 11, saying that he loved me, which was very unlike him. I mean, he tells me he loves me, but never would call me. Um, I found it a little bit strange, so I told him I'd be home in 15 minutes. Um, he told me I'm doing homework, you don't have to come home. And I said, look, I'll be home in 15 minutes. And I came home to find him. Some kids posted a picture, a video of him being beaten up at a party that he was at, and um, they, and that happened during the summer, but they held on to that video, and that night they posted a video of him being beaten up, and they said, if you come to school tomorrow, we are going to beat you, snuff you out, basically, which I think means beat you up or, you know, hurt you really bad, and uh, they made him feel really, um, Horrible, he was devastated by that. People that do the bullying had no idea the effect that it would have on my son, Jimmy. Um, th th there's no way to describe the pain that he was going through the night that that was posted on, I believe it was Instagram. Um, he was distraught. I, I couldn't even describe how upset he was after he saw that or found out that that was posted. And you know, our, our life was destroyed. It's been dead. Jimmy's not coming back. You know, his sisters, I never have a brother. It's, they, they just don't realize what bullying does to people. They don't know the mindset of somebody. Obviously, things need to change having to do with social media. Um, I believe social media, is, it's got benefits, but, but there's a greater risk going on with kids. Um, they're never safe. They have no safe place at home. 24 hours, they're bombarded by social media. We're coming to the end of this thing. Hours up already. And I always end the shows with the same question. Lynn, I'm going to start with you. You have witnessed, and, in, and I'm, I'm, I'm not discounting your own personal suffering, but you've witnessed a family go through some of the worst suffering possible. What do you think it's taught you? You don't know what's coming around the corner. And just, you know, make sure every day you're you're expressing your love, that you're aware of silly fights don't matter with your family you know just just love each other gene you know you got to live your life you got to love your family with all your heart love your friends you know why does it take so long for you to to tell your friends you love them i mean i think if we Wait until we're in our forties, because yeah. you're you know, a guy, right? Exactly. It's <laughs> right. a, it's a right. type but A you know personality, what? macho man syndrome. I love my friends, yeah. mm. love them, and my family, and and you know what? That to me, that's very very important. I you left know. one thing out: kindness. Be kind to everybody. You never know what someone's going through, right? But yeah. that you know that, that that's why I I treat everybody the same, no matter what kind of mood they're in, because 
They don't know what I've been through. I don't know what they've been through. And exactly what Lynn says, be kind. You could change people. What is it Mike Turner said? Being kind to people is absolutely free. Yeah. Doesn't cost a dime. Doesn't cost a dime. And you can make somebody's day. You could save somebody's life yeah. by being kind. Like I said, you you don't know what that person's going through on a regular day. You know, yeah. they could put up the strong front, but they could be really hurting inside. I cannot thank you both enough for coming in today. Thank you. Gene, it's always a pleasure. Yeah. Okay. It's okay. always a pleasure. It's a pleasure being here. <laughs> I'm I'm so proud to call you my friend. I'm Lynn, I'm very happy to meet you today and I'm Same here. I'm, I'm looking forward to this documentary. I'm going to plug the hell out of this yeah. because it's something I believe in. Thank you. With from the bottom of my heart. And really I'm I'm sure uh, Gene and his family thanked you for doing it. I want to thank you for doing uh, it too because I think this is going to change a lot of lives. Not, thank we you. haven't thanked her enough. You have thanked and, me and enough. I haven't thanked her right now and I love her for what she's doing. Well, I mean, it's a, it's a great thing you did. Really, it's, it is very thank you hum we, humbling. Turning tragedy into a learning experience that she did that. Yeah, it's love had, you too, my friend. She has no clue. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you both so much. And that's going to do it for this episode of The Suffering Podcast, The Suffering of Gene Halberger with Gene Halberger himself and Lynn Clouse Manzione. See, I got, that, I got that name with the vowel right at the end. And as always, let's think about all the stuff that we learn. You can't rationalize an irrational behavior. Healing is a process. There are no chance meetings. You don't know what's around the corner. But most importantly, live laugh, love, and be kind. That's going to do it for this episode. Don't forget to go to popple.com, get your digital business card, put in the code TSP20 for a 20% discount. Follow us on all social media platforms. That's TikTok, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter. Follow Mike at Mike underscore fillets. Follow me at Real Kevin Donaldson. And don't forget, you can always listen before you watch all of our audio episodes. Come out on Sunday before they start airing on YouTube on Monday. And of course, follow the Suffering Podcast at the Suffering Podcast. And, and comment. And comment. We always answer. <laughs> we always answer. And stop sending me those. Some people are starting to put ads in the comments. And we will see you on the next episode.